Hi there, and welcome to The Brave, the podcast about building a better future. I'm your host, Beth and Vincent, and episode to episode, we explore the people, places, and systems that are making our futures more equitable, resilient, and sustainable. Now, this week, I've been speaking to Georgia Yexley, who's the head of Cities UK and Ireland at Tier Mobility. If you've not come across Tier before, they are coming to you, and they are the company who are placing e-scooters, e-bikes, and other mobility vehicles around the UK in cities to help us, I guess, reduce the number of cars on the road firstly, but also make micro mobility accessible to everyone. So thanks for having me, Bethan. I really, really appreciate it. So my name is Georgia. I'm the head of cities for UK and Ireland at Tier. Um, so I've been at Tier since April um, of this year, so not that long, uh, but I've actually been in micro mobility for about getting on six years now. Um, started my career in micro mobility in Beijing, China, where I joined Mobike really early stage and was with them through the first couple of years um, of their existence and of the industry existence, really, um, and helping them to scale internationally. Then joined a UK B Corp operator, Beryl, um, learned a lot about a much more kind of tailored, localized, and community focused approach, and have kind of collided those two worlds in now joining Tier. Um, Europe's largest operator, but who was doing it entirely climate neutral um, and with a really local um, focus. Brilliant. Thanks so much for coming on. So micro mobility, it, it's a nascent industry, but it has been around for a while and it's definitely picked up pace in the last couple of years. So how have you seen the kind of discourse change around micro mobility over the past couple of years? Yeah, I think it's really important to frame it around the industry and how it has grown in the last few years. Um, It is still a very young industry um, and we're in a field where our competitors are very old industries. You know, the automotive or even public transport um, could be considered, although we tend to go more on like collaborative down public transport but the automotive industry has been around for you know decades and decades and ultimately the inception of micro mobility is about reducing reliance on private cars um that's the bottom line really that's the key metric um so micro mobility is really only about six years old as we know it now um it really did kick off in china and in the inception of mobike and ofo um, one of my favourite tidbits is this lovely graph that I always describe, but I should really have images of it on hand. But um, it's a graph of basically new technologies and how quickly they're adopted uh, by the public. So if you map out one to um, 10 million, one to a billion um, in terms of adoption for mobile phones or ATMs or any other kind of new technology that's been introduced in the last like millennia, if you map that out on a graph, that point from kind of one to a billion in micro mobility and bike share in fact more particularly which is really where the industry started um is so steep as compared to the others just the 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 scale that it has grown in such a short time is unbelievable Um, and that comes with pros and cons Um, it's it's worth saying you know Tier is the second unicorn company that I've been in in um, in this industry, and that unicorn status of that kind of billion dollar valuation um, that 
the, the marker for that is in five years. If you achieve that status in five years, you're considered a unicorn. And both of the businesses that I've been in that have achieved that status in micromobility have done that in two or less than two years. So just to give that sense of, first of all, how young the industry is, but also how rapidly and it is grown and really scaled during that time. So pros and cons to that. Um, growing at this rapid scale, um, you we've seen the effects of that in the early stages, right? Um, kind of the, the longevity of the vehicles going for growth at all costs um, and kind of maybe forgetting about consultation and community impacts and all of the work that really matters to implementing these in, in ways that they have longevity. Um, so you saw that a little bit more early on and then actually the industry has learned and grown and changed really rapidly as well from that. That's why you have operators like Tier who are in now the multimodal space. They've been really focused on unit economics from the start. So in terms of like financial stability, that's there. But you're also, you know, you've got players who are now 100% climate neutral, who are really focused on also the environmental sustainability. So that change has happened so incredibly rapidly, um, more rapidly than any other industry that uh, out there, I, I would say. Um, and it's yeah, it's been incredible um, to to be a part of that, even see that happen in our in our lifetime. Yeah, I mean, as as a consumer, you know, if you'd have asked me a couple of years ago, even if it was like, oh, are you you know, are you going to use an app to like book a bike or book a scooter? I'd have been like, oh, like, am I am I going to do that? And now I'm like, okay, right, I can get the train into York City Centre, and now I can plan my. I don't have to get on a bus, which obviously with COVID, it is. I know they are safe, but personally, I don't want to take that risk jump on a scooter, get to my office and come back. And it seems to be the connecting kind of dot for everything that makes makes kind of the last mile work, I think, was always really a big problem for a lot of commuters, especially. Absolutely. As much as I said, you know, the key metric being removal of private cars or reliance on private cars, we, we know that the use case is that kind of first and last mile or attaching on to some other type of transportation um, be, or even, you know, walking from one part to another and taking a scooter. So there's um, this kind of application. We already see that maybe what I think it's about one in four of our riders um, is using the vehicle and particularly for e-scooters because we are also in the business of e-bikes and e-mopeds but talking about e-scooters here we find that about one in four um, are using the e-scooters for first or last mile part of the trip and are chaining that or connecting it with other transportation types um, and I think it's about 50% of our riders that say they're at least occasionally utilizing this as in you know a part of a number of different transportation types that they're using um so absolutely the connectivity with the wider kind of public transport mix and the wider environment is a really important part of how you make this work well um, and actually meet the type of use cases that people want to use it for um for us we take that super seriously i'm i mean i've in fact today presented on our approach around mass integration um, and public transport integration um, I believe it's here. We're now at the point of about 40 plus integrations with public transport and mass um, platforms, which is like, I think certainly got to be um, the highest number in the industry. But I, I think it shows how much emphasis we place on that kind of collaboration and connectivity, um, you know, just how important that is in establishing the business. 
Yeah, and it's it's interesting to think about use cases because you've obviously seen um, a global perspective on how micro mobility has been put in place into different countries. Do do you, is there a big difference between the way consumers adopt it in China to a country like the UK, or is it very similar across the globe? Incredibly different. Um, incredibly different and not just from nation to nation but from city to city what works in Beijing may not necessarily work in Shanghai what works you know for us what works in York may not necessarily work in London you really want to take a real granular level approach on a city by city basis uh, because there's so many other factors that play a role in how you build a solution that actually works for that city then just you as an operator or the technology that you have or the teams you have all of these things of course play some part but it's also about what the wider public environment what the environment of that city is like um what the political will is um what the investment is um what the needs are um you know there's, there's factors around social deprivation access to transport accessibility and um, factors that are really important to integrate into how you you approach providing this type of service for the city because ultimately what you want to do is have a service that's, that's giving benefits to that to that city right um and the only way to do that is to tailor it to where you can add that benefit and it's not in the same place in every city oh that's really interesting i i think i'd have assumed that there was probably a country difference but not on that really kind of like hyper regional city scale and this may be a question um you can't answer or you don't want to answer so i am springing it on you but in a city let's say take york it's probably the city i know most well um what was the biggest challenge of going into you know medieval city very high traffic density not much space for the you know the cycle lanes are not there in every place so how would you approach a a city like york yeah it's a really good question and one i'm more than happy to answer because it's not an easy um industry or space to to operate in it's still like we've talked about it's still really new um there's a lot of kind of education and hard work that goes into kind of establishing a new vehicle type Um, and i think that's a really important factor in where the challenges are um particularly in in the case of York, um, it's really important to give the context of e-scooters in the UK, right? Because it is with e-scooters that we launched in York and whereas other places maybe we launched with e-bikes and it's a totally different thing. Um, When we're going into launching e-scooters in the UK, there's first this context that widely um, the vehicle type is not legal for use in in the public realm Um, so privately held e-scooters still remain illegal for use on on public in public space Um, however the department for transport have launched a national level trial so a select number of operators and a select number of cities have the ability to participate in that of course tier being one of operators York and also London being some of those cities. Um, Now, that is already where the kind of city level importance starts to happen through the consultation process, you know, EQIA, so equality impact assessments that are happening, you start to really understand the differences on a city by city level. Um, And also you're working with totally different local authorities. So in York, that's York County Council, who are phenomenal. We've got great relationship there. In London, it's many 
many, many, many more local authorities because you have 32 boroughs, you've got London councils, you've got TfL, and they're all fantastic, of course. It's a little bit more complicated in how you manage that relationship and how you make sure that you're doing all the due diligence and important steps with each of the, the relevant stakeholders that extend past the local authority also into community groups and, and local people. Um, so there's that. And that's always a challenging. Um, it's an enjoyable challenge that is part of um, just the, the experience of micro mobility. Like this is um, not an easy part to do, but it's a really vital step um, in making sure that you are getting enough inputs and guidance from people that have really got the on the ground um, and, you know, street level knowledge of what works on a local level um so that side of things um it's it's a big undertaking i suppose it's not quite right to put that in the challenge because it's something that is a big undertaking but it's like completely vital and something that i think you know we really enjoy doing mm. because it helps you get it right and then you really get that buy-in at a local level probably the biggest challenge for e-scooters in the uk currently is around public perception and the differentiation of shared services the way that we implement them the things that we care about and the thought that goes into it and differentiating that from private e-scooters um, and where they currently stand um, in the public realm um, and just general perception around kind of value um and it, it being somewhat still rooted a little bit in risk and fear and not yet fully grasping or fully engaging with all the benefit that really comes from these services yeah and as someone who has tried an e-scooter for the first time they're really fun <laughs> i'm a really risk averse person I, I don't even like cycling but i i was on them and really enjoyed it and I guess one of the things about Tier, this podcast is all about companies, people, systems that are building a better future. And the climate neutral aspect of the company is really, really interesting to me. Could you tell us a bit more about how that is being achieved? Yes, absolutely. Um, how do we achieve this status of climate neutral? And I think the climate neutral is really important, um, like the differentiation, what that means in that we are not adding any negative impact in what we're doing and, we've, and that requires um, a real level of thought and detail as to how we do that in every section of the business so it's not something that exclusively exists within you know um, we just operate how we operate and then we offset it all and that's it no you have to build this into every practice throughout the business so even to the point where we're planning like a huge um launch event and activation in london and we're thinking about all the materials that go into building one of our kind of riding tracks making sure that those are reused or recycled or repurposed so it's really embedded in our approach throughout um so one of the i think good examples or a few of the good examples that we're using entirely green energy sources in our warehouses um we're only using kind of e-vehicles for the redistribution so all of our vans are electric or we're using e-cargo bikes as much as possible um but also in terms of like how we've built the business and the model um you know the longevity of the scooter iterating and making sure that the scooter have a, has a long lifetime in other parts of europe where private e-scooters um are legal for use we also repurpose our scooters 
and sell those on for private use. Um, so there's like more of a circular life cycle for the, the vehicles as well. And they continue to be kind of gain value and, and add value to the public realm. Um, alongside this, there's a few elements of our business and how we're set up uniquely that help us to kind of reduce down our footprint as well, but also have added benefits in particular our tier energy network. Um, so this is where we're enabling our riders to swap batteries. Um, and for doing that, they receive a free trip. Um, so there's an accessibility point there around if you maybe you're a lower income rider and you want to go to a job interview, you can access the, that free just by taking a scooter that needs a battery swap. Um, and then maybe you're going to be popping into a local cafe and getting a coffee there. And they're the host of, of this pod where you're changing the battery. And then of course, there's that added benefit to the high street and local retailers or community centers. Um, so there's, there's a lot of benefit in that. But of course, for the business and our operating model, it also means that the highest cost and the highest impact that I think most operators are making is in the battery swapping and looking, changing the batteries on, on these vehicles. Um, so we're also reducing down our need to even have e-vans or e-cargo bikes on street by enabling that. So it's, it's really putting that thought into every layer of the business. You know, one of the good examples is there's, there's no value in um, talking about we're green because it's a green form of transport. If every single element of your supply chain and how you run the business is, is causing some negative impact. So you really need to think about this at the kind of across everything that you're doing. And um, it really comes from a top down level at tier where our CEO, Lawrence Lauschner, he has actually committed his entire stake in the business to sustainable causes that he doesn't financially benefit from. So there's really this ingrained purpose in the business to be a positive impact on the planet yeah and it's, it's a really clever operating model you know it, it makes sense on so many layers especially the, the energy network in particular and i love the focus on regenerating the high street and you know you're bringing people into locations not just through the transport but through the battery swapping as well and in terms of uh, we're going to kind of broaden the focus a little bit bigger than tier in our final question but you know ur urban travel and sustainable travel, renewable travel, there's a lot of conversations happening. But it seems like change has been quite slow over the past 10 years. A lot of the conversations local authorities are having at a city level, maybe more focused on, you know, how do we reduce traffic congestion through traditional transport networks? They've been happening for 10 years, you know. So, oh, we need more buses. Oh, but buses are expensive. Um, we can't get them on the routes because the routes take too long because of the car traffic. You know, it's chicken and egg problem. What are the biggest barriers you can foresee to making urban travel sustainable and inclusive in the future? The first thing I would say is that in micromobility, you know, we've talked about the rapid pace of growth and change and innovation that's happening um, in this space and you know we're, we're private businesses that have tech at our hearts and therefore the kind of rapid movement and growth and change and learn and iterate and get things wrong and then perfect it is kind of in our, our um it's in our blood it's in the approach I think at large um, but we exist in a space where even as private businesses we are providing a public service and we cannot speed up the rate of process um say that it takes to identify um a 
good parking bay location on highways land that process is outside of our control so we're kind of um held to the same kind of longer processes detailed processes that our friends and local authorities uh, are going through and, and kind of have to adhere to um i wouldn't say that that is something that is a wrong though because these things should take time they should have proper consultation there should be a process and responsibility in how we do them um and i think we learned in the micromobility industry that speed is not always or like you know being the first to do it doesn't always mean the best um or the right way um so there's kind of a middle ground and a meeting in the middle somewhere where you're still moving quick enough or engaged enough to really bring that innovation forward and be able to learn and iterate and, and change things um, as, as they're happening. Um, but also being respectful and understanding of why there are these processes in place and how important they are. And I do think this, um, the current e-scooters, to bring it back to, to tier, I'm afraid, but the current e-scooter, and not just tier, but the current e-scooter trials that are happening at that national level in the UK is a really good example of really moving in the right direction on that, because we have got to a point here where we have a 12-month period of introducing an entirely new vehicle type, the level of data sharing, scrutiny, research um, and investigation and development that's happening during this 12 month period, which in the grand scheme of things is not a very long time, um, is immense. And it's not just us, there's other operators, there's many cities involved, there's a huge undertaking of work by a great number of people. Um, and that is very cross industry and cross sector you know public sector private sector but we're also bringing in researchers and working with charities and community groups so it really is a, a a team effort um to get to a point where we're kind of marrying up those two approaches in a way that's really bringing our cities forward and i it's a difficult one to to say correctly but the pandemic has in many ways sped up the in need and importance and understanding of the importance of having some new solutions and being able to react quickly and bring in things that are enabling people to move safely around our cities, right? As a, a base level, that is what we're doing. We're moving people. And the way that people move and how people can move safely, uh, because safety is going to be at the core of this throughout, um, has, has definitely been um, galvanised or encouraged through this experience, this insane and, and, you know, difficult and heavy experience that we've been through in, in the pandemic. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, it. I don't want to say it will have been worth it if some good things come out of it, because that's not true. People have died. It's obviously very important. But hopefully there will be some positive outcomes from a very trying time for everyone but you know my my story I gave earlier about I suddenly decide like oh I'm going to use the e-scooter to connect up my commute because I don't want to go on a more risky alternative that shows how perceptions are changing so thank you so much for coming on and giving us that real kind of snapshot into the industry and what tears plans are and kind of 
Well, I think the mission and vision and the purpose of the business is so clear throughout everything you do. It's throughout all of your communications. So really, really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for coming on, Georgia. If people want to find out more about Tia, is there any particular place we can direct them? Obviously, the app is on the App Store to download. You can get started, get riding. But is there anywhere else people can look? Oh my gosh, so many bits of information to tell you here. So definitely download the app. It's a free app to download. Um, You'll see e-scooters across five boroughs in London currently, also in York, of course. We do have our e-bikes in York and hope to bring those to more of the UK soon as well. Um, I would really direct people towards... Um, well, first of all, we have a really um, important access scheme. So if you're a job seeker, a student, a veteran, um, you can go to our UK access scheme on our website. Um, and there is some concessionary pricing on there as well. So really important um, element for us is making sure that everybody can use this service. And it really is for everyone. Um, use the hashtag take a tier or look that up on social media and you'll find some great resources. Hopefully people will start to see some of our kind of safety focus campaign all around the cities that we're in um and of course feel free to connect with me and connect with the team on various social media platforms um we really are interested in collaborating and working with as many people as possible so if you've got a good idea by all means come to us with it brilliant and i'll put all the links down in the description box so everyone can access those directly but thank you so much Thanks so much to Georgia for coming on and chatting to me. That was actually really, really interesting and great to get the uh, global view of things as well. So if you liked this episode, the podcast in general, I would be really grateful if you could leave us a like and or a review on the podcast platform of your choice. Just means essentially more people will hopefully get to hear about the podcast, will be enticed to listen to it and we can spread the message even further. And if you didn't know, we actually also have a newsletter over on Substack, thebrave.substack.com, which explores very similar themes to the podcast. Um, It's gone through, I've got to admit, a little bit of a lull as I kind of left my job to set up a new business. So I had to drop some plates, but it is coming back with a vengeance. And I'm also working out how uh, it can also share the podcast episodes as well. So you'll get them into your inbox alongside getting them on your podcast player. So until next time, I will leave it there. Thank you so much to listening. If you want to follow us over on Twitter, I'm at Beth and Vincent. The Brave is at The Brave Listen. Also on Instagram and I am on LinkedIn as well. Just type into Beth type in type in Beth and Vincent I'm always happy to connect with people and have a chat cheers